Welcome back to Not Another Whiskey Podcast. It's me, Daz, flying solo once more because Mitch has got bigger fish to fry. Um, but that's okay because I've got the pleasure of being joined by a very good friend of mine, a colleague, mentor, and uh, fair, you know, I think it's fair to call you a bit of a drinking buddy at times as well, is uh, the one and only Mr. Ken Greer. Now, Ken has shaped many a brand over his time from Chicago Town Pizzas, Lego, uh, and over the last 20 or 25 years, uh, worked on the famous grouse and really been the kind of driving force behind the creativity and brilliance that, that has been the McAllen. So, Ken, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure for you uh, to be here. Well, it's a pleasure for us to have you on Not Another Whiskey podcast. Um, what have you been up to recently, sir? Because you've you're you're out on your own these days. You're you're doing. Well, a lot it's of interesting. Things. Yeah, I I um, started these still create about four years ago after having a wonderful fun with the Edrington Group on the McAllen and Highland Park, and obviously a part of the time in Famous Grouse for about twenty years. Started my own thing called These Still Creative four years ago. Uh, it's been my real pleasure to um, have some fantastic clients. You know, um, a well-known whiskey brand with a couple of great Isla distilleries helped him a bit with uh, a partnership with a major car company, a lot of collectibles, and that's been enormous fun. Lovely people and more great stuff to come. A very, very nice company in Speyside, family business who do some fabulous stuff, helped them with uh, one of their brands. Uh, great to, to be involved with Glenn Turret. You know, we've successfully managed to get a Michelin star after only eight months in our uh, new restaurant. Complete renovation of the brand. Bringing my old friend Bob Logano as whiskey maker. Uh, working a little bit with um, a great bunch of folk from Airdrie on their lovely brands. And just, you know, hanging out, having fun and just enjoying where uh, the world takes me. No, that's great, man. It's, it's good to see you're uh, busy as ever. The force of nature, as always. Um, there was, Ken, the... Marketing and whiskey, if you speak to the whiskey lovers and you go to the whiskey shows and things like that, sometimes seen as a, as a dirty word, you know, uh, like it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's needed sometimes as well, right? To drive and share whiskey with the world. You need to help lubricate that with fantastic stories, great visuals well, and things. That, that, it's really, really interesting because it's incredibly simple. The recipe is simple, but putting the cake together to make sure it's a beautiful Victoria sponge is difficult. I mean, all marketing is really based in whiskey on four things. Uh, really compelling, interesting, authentic, highly emotional stories that have a real truth and very often involve people. So you've got to have a story that's true and interesting. The second thing is it's got to be around liquids that are a conversation piece. Mm. Now, I've deliberately not said great liquids or better liquid or best liquids, because you know what? All our very, very experienced listeners here have all got their own views, tastes, peccadillos. But it is about having a liquid that's genuinely interesting, that you enjoy, that you can have a perspective on. I think the third thing, and something that I've kind of built a career on, has really been the aesthetic, which is all about a brilliant get-up for whatever that bottle or container is, amazing collaterals or communications or releases or photography to really bring it alive. And the final bit, I think, really, is that little ingredient X, which has played a large part in both of our careers, which is scarcity. Mm -hmm. You know, the great thing about it is a lot of the really great products are difficult to get hold of, have increased in value, and you really just go, wow. I mean, I tasted the Milton Duff recently, 
you know, that Gordon McPhailer brought out, which was an absolutely cracking whiskey, uh, 1949. Absolutely superb product. It's little things. It was a tiny two cell sample, but God, it's little things like this that are real gems. Mm -hmm. And I still love it when someone brings me a sample of something different, when someone has, what he says, what do you think of this? So that's a, the simple thing about it. Whiskey has been uh, really centered on marketing from the beginning. From the absolute greats, from John Walker talking about the old Highland, to Tommy Dewar taking the bag around the world, to something that will always be near and dear to me, which is, of course, Matthew Glogan, the famous grouse. Mm -hmm. I mean, taking what was Scotland's national game bird in Victorian times and really taking hold of it, creating this amazing brand right through to some of the incredible adverts that were produced with myself, my wonderful colleague, Bill Farah, and the wonderful team at uh, Highland. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, people being one of the kind of key ingredients, Ken. Like, you've worked with some proper legends over the years, uh, some really inspiring characters, a lot of whom have, are no longer in the business. Some are no longer with us as well. Um, I mean, who, who are kind of some of the standout characters for you? A couple of stories maybe as well of some of these visionaries from, from the early days of your career, you know? Well, it's interesting. I remember meeting Willie Phillips way back in the day, and obviously Willie and Hugh Metcalf were instrumental in the really early days of McCallum with a guy called Alan Sheerk, who was actually the owner of McCallum at that point. And I think Alan was absolutely incredible because Alan, of course, did something which is amazing because when he was a scriptwriter, Alan Scott, his nom de plume, the writer of Don't Look Now, one of the truly greatest British horror films from a Daphne du Maurier novel. Alan actually, in a very, very controversial scene with Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, had a bottle of Macallan on the bedside cabinet. So at the, at the climax, as it were, of this scene, um, <laughs> he actually turned around and grabbed the bottle of Macallan, poured a large dram. That was Alan. That was an amazing character who actually brought all the talent of filmmaking, a love of art um, in and was uh, certainly a great encouragement to Hugh Metcalf, the great supporter of Willie's. And those guys were the shoulders of giants that we stood on. Mm. So that was pretty incredible, you know, to see some of those guys. You, you met those guys, right? You spent a bit of time with them. I met Alan, uh, I met uh, Willie. Sadly, I didn't ever uh, meet Hugh, but they were amazing. But you've also got great characters, like Jonathan Driver, uh, head of yeah, private yeah, yeah. We've had uh, we've actually had Jonathan on Ken, uh, and it was actually just when you guys were doing the the one of one. It was just after it. He'd, he'd taken a month off, I think, because he was absolutely broken by the whole thing. It was uh, it was well, quite an, quite an quite an well, endeavor. Jonathan is a hugely charismatic, intelligent, inspiring guy. Uh, not only from the work that he did in Walker, you know, famously turning up, I think, in the guise of an explorer at a Bompas and Par event for Walker Blue. But he also, of course, was the inspiration behind something near and dear to my heart, which is the Distillers 101 charity auction, which raised £3 million. So, again, massive character within this. Um, guys like Matthew Glogue, who, of course, in my early days in Famous Grouse, Matthew was a fantastic character. You know, obviously, the last member of the family, uh, very eccentric, very committed to the brand, full of stories about his family and the importance of that wonderful brand. And, you know, they're great people to meet, you know, fabulous yeah. people to meet. And I've been very, very privileged 
to meet and walk with some quite extraordinary people. Someone who we know, uh, who we knew, who sadly is no longer with us, uh, Jason Craig, mm. who was a huge inspiration on Highland Park. Many of the great things that we've done from the fabulous 50-year-old that we did with Maeve Gillis yeah, yeah. to you know, some incredible Viking bottlings. Um, a guy who had Highland Park tattooed on his heart and who was a huge, huge influence in that brand. So we've been lucky to really meet a lot of really charismatic and interesting people. I see Maeve Gillis quite often, you know. I don't know if I've told you this, but our kids are in the same class, I think, at school. Yeah. Oh, wild. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, door I doorstep Maeve when she was doing a talk in Edinburgh, and she mentioned, she went, amazing jeweler, talked about Otney, she went off the, she came off the stage and said, do you want to work on a project in McAllen? She wasn't interested. I mentioned the magic words, Highland Park. Yeah, went, yeah. I love Highland Park. She produced an incredible net cage design where we had um, some stone cut from the quarry the, from which they got the rocks for St Magnus Cathedral. Uh, amazing. The Queen's jeweler actually made this for us. I think it was 10 grand at the time. I have no idea at auction what that was. Well, now. they're selling now, Ken. I, I keep an eye on it because, yeah, I was very fortunate. I was, I was working with you just about that time. Um, just after it launched, actually, was when I came to work with you at, at Edrington. And it's now at about 22k a bottle um, wow. online. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I mean, it's right one. up there. Was mm -hmm. <laughs> that? I wish I'd bought one. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but there's been some truly great stuff, I think. And if you look at some of the amazing stuff that's happened over the years, you know, Bowmore Black or Black Bowmore, to me, is one of the most beautiful examples mm. of taking something that's intrinsic to the product character making it a really mythological, almost famous product. The work that we did uh, on that a couple of years ago with the, the cabinet that sold for over half a million bucks, wonderful, wonderful, rich, layered stories supported by amazing liquid. You know, the work that the guys at Glenfiddich have done, I think, in the experimental series has been very, very cool. I think mm -hmm. Brian Kinsman is an absolute magician. Some of the ideas have really stretched people's consciousness. They've been fun. They've been interesting, great to try. They've given the brand a real continued energy. I think some of those things are absolutely amazing. Um, I was speaking to Morris Doyle at Compass Box, just, you know, socially. And I think they've got a great little brand. I mean, what Jonathan Glazer did, you know, with the early days of a certain large and well-known uh, packaging design company um, is amazing. It made their career, it made his career, and yeah. it made Compass Box a phenomenon. And again, about really fantastic aesthetic, quirky and interesting brand names, and liquids that you really enjoyed that made you see blends differently. I, I was going to say, because that, that's the other part. So we, we've, we have kind of, you've, you've rattled off a few massive names really in the industry there, and yeah, some proper proper legends of the industry. Again, some who are not here anymore, some who, who are maybe retired. Mr. Driver's still grafting away. Don't worry about that. I don't think he's going anywhere soon. Um, but then like you get into the whiskey side and like it's a hard one, isn't it? Because the purist is all about whiskey. But Ken, you've already mentioned like aesthetics massive and you're a big one on collaborations, masses of photography, something that was very close to your heart. Uh, you're, you're doing a lot of work at the moment, like you say. We, we've seen actually the... Arc with Bomore 52, Arc 52 with Bomore, beautiful collaboration with Aston. Yeah. The Aston stuff that we did there, I think, was quite amazing because it worked very well because you've got a brand which is supremely layered, connoisseurial, and just a fabulous, fabulous whiskey. And yet you've got a company that really epitomizes British heritage, craft, 
the beauty of their design, the real aesthetic. And I think Art 52 is a superb example. Mm -hmm. And before that, the one we did, um, you know, with DB5, you know, the continuation product, taking something that is really true and interesting and different. With DB5, we actually were lucky enough to find 25 bottles of Black Bamore from 1964. No, I, I, I can't believe that. It's funny because this is- We're one in of, a cupboard. We found them in a cupboard. It's ridiculous. It's one of those stories where you're like, that never happened. I was chatting to a very good friend of yours who, who works over there, and, and he told me the story just this week on Tuesday. And I was like, was that actually what happened? And he says, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happened. Because you, who loses a cask of 80, you know, 30-year-old Macallan? You know, someone lost it. And they oh, this was it. nuts, because yeah. we went uh, went down to see the guys at us and saw them building the 25 only in the world continuation versions, the DB5. We happened to find the liquor, which is a godsend, with an amazing designer who basically took an Aston pit, uh, piston, dropped glass into it, and we put the original liquid into it. They sold for $50,000 initially. They're now going for about 230 It's crazy, right? Because imagine, I mean... When you dig through a cupboard in an office, you're never sure what you're going to find, right? So I remember when we we were working for Edrington at the time and we were moving out of the office at West Kinfons and and I knew there was some gems in that office because I used to go in and get samples, get some bits of POS and things. And I remember looking and thinking, that's a Macallan 25 anniversary edition. That's a Highland Park razor light bottle. Yeah, actually, what many people don't know is we left a treasure trove because we couldn't take the bottles out because they were uncaught. Yeah. So whoever took that office over uncovered an absolute set of gems that went right through with us. It's bad, isn't it? But that's those Bomores, those black Bomores, I mean, your heart must have been, the guys, it was Scott, I think it was, wasn't it, that found it or something, and he, he, he yeah. didn't quite understand what they were, and when they found out it was black Bomores, 25 bottles of this stuff, they must have been like, what have we found here? That is like, it is like you say, it's not the value, it's the actual quality and yeah you're absolutely right i mean the liquid has got to be great and the liquid's got to be central to what we do whether it was mccallan cast strength i was talking to somebody about the other night i mean can you believe that was 80 bucks mm. when we launched that about 1999 with david cox you know we basically um had a liquid that was high strength was under 10 years old but it was a phenomenal drinking whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Look at some of the master photography um, stuff that we did within that. When we kicked off with Rankin, we had a 30 year old fine oak. It's a very modern contemporary like him. When we worked with Albert Watson, we actually had a 20 year old first fill sherry cask because right. it fitted the story that we had at the time. When we worked with Annie Leibovitz, we basically had four different casks representing different situations. With uh, Elliot Erwitt, we had 35 different whiskies. Sorry, yeah, 35, sorry, 57 different whiskies, apologies. 35 bottles only, um, where each whiskey perfectly fitted the picture. So yeah. there's some examples of how it worked. You know, with the end of Cantor, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, you have something which is selling for about five and a half, six thousand dollars $6,000. But the whiskies, even though it's non-aged, it's yeah. fascinating that non-age doesn't mean young whiskey. It means whiskies with different age, which are at their peak of perfection, coming together to create a beautiful symphony. That product has um, been an absolute success. I think they're yeah. selling between three and 5,000 bottles a year now. It's become an absolute design classic and something we're all incredibly proud of. And you know, basically that design came from a bet. Yeah. The story was, I was up at Macallan. Right. I got my daughter Victoria with me. Uh, we're having a breakfast with a guy who visited with his wife, a guy called Fabian Baron, 
He yeah. was a wonderful designer from New York, French mm -hmm. guy. And we said, we've had a great time. What do you want to do? And he went, um, do you know what? I'd like to design a decanter. He quoted a number and I almost fell off my seat. I said, I haven't got that. Here's what I'll give you. Yeah. And effectively, let's have a bet. You give me one design for that money. If I like it, I buy it. If I don't like it, you keep the money, which mm. was insane. Nobody yeah. would dare to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found myself in a, in a loft in New York. He had two designs. He was very kind to me. Uh, under a piece of short silk. The first you, got, one, you got two for one. You got two for yeah. one, man. That's a... I like that. For goodness sake, you know, I'm Scottish. I live in Blagowry. You know, yeah. I really like having two for one. We think it's a new concept. Yeah. So um, he took the bit of silk off the first one, and that was the end of Canter. And then through the genius of Mark Lamino and the guys at Lalique, they actually managed to manufacture it. And it is something I'm incredibly proud yeah. of. I think it's become a design classic. But never tell that story. Never put that story in a podcast. I, I shall not. I'll edit this out. <laughs> We're in a podcast. That's a bit shame. Uh, you told me I could, we could talk about anything. Right, yeah. what about, and, and then like, so you're, you're we, we did an episode last week, as I said, Ken, on marketing and some of the sort of key moments that have, that have not all of them, there's too many to cover them all. But we covered a few of the major ones, few events uh, that, that really have kind of shaped whiskey as we kind of know it today. What about then in the last sort of 25 years, I suppose, your career in whiskey? What are the kind of two or three things that really stand out for the things that you've worked on that you're most kind of proud of? Well, I think, um, I think the thing is that I'm probably most proud of, I mean, the first one I'd put up there would be the new Macallan distillery. You know, £140 million investment, a true pantheon which really brought the brand uh, to life in a very contemporary, interesting, beautiful way, but still had whiskey at the heart. That probably you did, uh, you did well to push that one over the line, Ken, because I, I remember the conversations quite quite early on in Project King, as it was once known. And uh, wow, uh, there wasn't a huge amount of appetite for it. <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing about it was, I mean, um, you know, it cost 140 million. I know that the PR value that we got from that was well north of that figure yeah. in terms of actual PR dollars. So it paid itself back in terms of awareness. At some spot, because Mitch and I, Mitch and I were there at the start of the year. We actually went up and we just literally went in for a coffee and walked in and I hadn't been in. I hadn't well, been in it was finished. The, the, story, the story behind it is quite interesting because we had run out of capacity. The old plant had the yeah. ribbon. And actually the old plant was two distilleries. People forget that as well, don't they? It was yeah. two separate still houses. It wasn't... So what, what we've done, we'd actually... Yeah. We'd taken the old 60s still house back into use again in around about 2009. Um, so we're running, you know, two plants full on and we just had run out of capacity. So what yeah. do we do? So I was sitting at my little round table at Westcon Fonds with a guy called Robin Gillis, who's director of distillation. And he said, let's build a big wiggly tin shed on the barley field. And I went, no. And I looked across and there was a book called Great Wineries of the World. It wasn't even my book. And I took it out and there's a picture of Bodega Cicios by Calatrava on the front. And I said, no, let's build that. So I had amazing support from Bill Farah to my boss, terrific support from the Edrington board who understood it amazing support from Suntory. I went on, got the designs done, and I was very, very grateful then for the support of Glenn Grant Gordon, our partners at Grants, who agreed to it. Uh, and then we had to work with, they find a great architect, we did a pitch, Roger Stark Harbour, Natalie beat off Herzog and Demuron, the guys that did the, Olymp uh, the Olympic Stadium in China, the bird's nest. And we spent seven years beaving away and we made it. So that's kind of thing number one. I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah. Um, thing number two, 
I think would probably be the Masters of Photography collection, near and dear to me. Yeah. You know, um, very passionate photographer, massive Leica fan. And to have produced six projects that I think are utterly amazing in their audacity, their aesthetic, the beauty of the art, and to link it to a different whiskey. I'm incredibly proud of that. The, all... the, one, that, the one that stands out for me, and um, I'm devastated that you never took me over, was that of all of them, they're all very beautiful for different reasons, because they're all very different, aren't they? The Masters of Photography with McAllen. But the one I particularly loved that I wanted to be in and be at was the Testino stuff, because it just looked like fun. Yeah, I mean it just remember, looked like fun. Yeah. <laughs> the, the funniest one was when we launched it um, in Tokyo, um, it, we had Mario there. Mario's a great guy, and he basically loves uh, whiskey sours. We're drinking, you know, whiskey sours, and he was due to go to a big Vogue party at the other side of town. So um, we basically, it was a lady called Anna Della Russo, who was very famous, uh, involved with Vogue. And Mario just had so much fun with us. We ended up taking the Vogue party to our party. <laughs> He went, he's not going to move. He's enjoying his McAllen sours so much. They end up coming to us, yeah, which yeah. is a big, big uh, thing for us. The other one that I think I can't get through this without talking about was Bond, because the Bond story is quite interesting, yeah. because it really is quite amazing, um, because effectively, um, I had done a little sponsorship of the Royal Photographic Society, and I met a guy called Michael Wilson, who was actually uh, Cubby Broccoli's stepson. So he, with Barbara Broccoli, owns Aeon Productions, who owned the Bond franchise. So Michael was at this little event. He had some McAllen. He said, come to my house tomorrow. He has probably one of the top two or three in the world collections of photography. We looked at some amazing stuff. And um, a couple of weeks later, his secretary, um, Rebecca, said, look, Michael's in the line. Would you speak to him? I said, sure. He said, Ken, how would you like McAllen to be in the Bond film? He said, Sam, uh, he said, um, you know, uh, effectively, uh, I think it was Sam Mendes at that point, had said, um, look, we'd really love you to be in the movie. I've got a particular scene, which is the famous kind of William Tell scene where, you know, they shoot a glass of McAllen off the head of Bernice Merlot. But of course, you know, um, Bond doesn't, doesn't do it, misses, and of course the villain kills her. So amazing part of the film, and we did get a name check. And it was quite incredible working with those guys. Lovely people, amazing film. Uh, we didn't pay an enormous amount of money. I can't possibly tell you what we paid for it, but it wasn't what you think it would be because they loved yeah. the idea. Yeah. And also Barbara's a McAllen drinker. And we, I suddenly found myself on the set of the movie and there's Daniel Craig. There's the thing being filmed. I had to pinch myself and I thought, great. So the world premiere comes to pass. I'm in the Albert Hall in the box. And I thought they're obviously going to cut us out the film. And there it is, the famous words, mm -hmm. Abbey Bardem. Mr. Bond, I have your favourite scotch, the Macallan 1962. Boom, I fell off the seat. And that film grossed half a billion dollars. Uh, first, you know, Bond film to do that. And was a massive, sorry, but it grossed uh, over a hundred million, rather, a billion rather. Mm. And we got half a billion dollars worth of PR. So first billion dollar Bond film, we got half a billion dollars worth of PR. And I can't not do this podcast without talking about it. And it was massive fun and a huge thrill. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think people's perception is that these things are massively backed, totally contrived. Um, and and that, that was the one that really kind of caught me off guard a little bit was just how organic that was and and how little control you had because you you didn't know ultimately what was going to happen right up until i mean for a lot of people watching it for the first time who probably worked at mccallan 
didn't really understand what was happening. I, I think they probably thought the table scene where they pass a glass across or maybe one of the bar scenes that we call great McAllen's in here. But that scene, that iconic scene, what a surprise, man. That must have blown people's oh, souls. And I think the great thing, um, you know, coming back to what you said earlier, a lot of whiskey is um, about the quality of the liquid in terms of it being interesting and people just losing themselves in it. A lot of it is the characters that you meet, that you drink with, that you connect with. Yeah. And the real secret about working with great people and great collaborations, whether it's Aston or whether it's Testino or whether it's, you know, some of the great people worked with over the years, it is about giving them creative freedom to produce something great. And one of the things that I think we've always found over the years mm. is if you get great people involved, the best you can afford, people that love it, that share your passion for it, and give them the ability to have freedom to really do great work, you get amazing things. I mean, it's a, it's a bit like years ago, I was, uh, I was in the living room of uh, my cousin, this guy called Dave Halliday, who's technical director of Diageo. And we're having the usual debate about McAllen versus Cragenmore. And I'm drinking small Cragenmore. And he said, you know, um, I've got to share this with you, but we've got a new commercial out for Johnny Walker. It's called uh, Keep Walking. Mm -hmm. I went, oh, that's nice. And I saw the first execution, which I think was a Martin Scorsese execution. Uh, genius. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. There are a few brands to their eternal credit that really encapsulated this whole you know, milieu of the brand, the idea of personal progress, the idea of thought leadership, the idea of being contemporary. And I take my hat off to them. I think it is one of the truly great campaigns. As well, it's, obviously, it's obviously worked, Ken, because <laughs> fate have it, I'm actually drinking a 1971 Cragenmore as we speak. How about that? Yeah, it's pretty good liquid. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not bad, is so, it? But it's still doing, and I'm still discovering great new liquids. We're still building amazing new marketing stories. We have a ton of great stuff for your audience that will be coming out in the next couple of years over all my clients. Yeah. And I think well, it's so what's happening? I mean, that's the thing, right? You, we've had a little bit of look in the past and stuff. What, what's the crystal ball stuff, Ken? What, what do you think is coming next? What's happening? Well, I think it's interesting. If you look at the world of whiskey really, really wild, widely, I think there's some great stuff to come. I think there's further amazing work to be done in terms of story-led, beautiful, very, very rare expressions that consumers will love. And I think there's still a big market for that. Many brands are doing just great stuff. I think there's an exploration about, um, and people are going into the back catalogs and thinking very carefully about building stories, scarcity, and quality of liquid. I think there's some really interesting innovation out there. I think there's innovation in cast type, whether it's been mezcal casks, mm -hmm. whether it's been, um, you know, walking, doing things a very different way. Particularly, I go back to the Grant Sclenfitic Experimental Series, I think it's really interesting. Um, so some cool stuff around there. I think blends are due a bit of a renaissance. I think as people forget the genuine craft that goes into choosing whiskeys, putting it together. Yeah. Um, the way that blends really kicked it all off back in late Victorian times. Yeah, we just did a we've just done a, a recording with the guys at Black Bottle actually, and um, just uh, exactly that they they're really backing it. You know, they they've got great product. They're doing some really interesting things. You know, maturing the grain whiskey and the malt whiskey in really interesting casks. So, blends is a great show. Are you? Yeah, I, I'm excited by. Oh, super. I'm also yeah. quite excited by um, green whiskey, whether it's Gervin, whether it's in Bergodon, whether it's... Do you think it's... it'll happen? Is it, is it, is it well, going to happen? Yeah. I, think, I think it's really interesting because I think that's a little bit further down the, the, the pathway because I've tasted... I was drinking a 34-year-old 
uh, grain uh, it was matured in the first full sherry cask recently. Yeah, it's just kick ass. It was just really well, one, of, one of my favorite whiskies I've tried certainly in the last five years was the 29 year old uh, we worked on actually called the Whiskey Works, which was a Glaswegian yeah, yeah. From, from the now closed Port Dundas distillery. Honestly, it's I don't finish many bottles, Ken, and then order a new one and then get through that and then order a new one. That's one of the whiskies in the last five years I have done that with. Absolutely brilliant stuff, but. It's it's still a twenty nine year old, right? And it's still one hundred and ten quid. It's not that accessible. Well, I think what one, yeah. one of the great um, and we go back to blends. One of the great blends I've drunk recently is Berry's Sherry. Yeah, I, I, yeah very good, very I'm good. Absolutely stonking. Yeah. Another one. I think I'm correct in saying this. A blend. Correct me if I'm not. Glen Scotia did Victoriana. It's not a blend. It's a single malt. Uh, single yeah, malt. Yeah. Sorry, but it is a blend of different malts going uh, into that. Uh, um, yeah, different casks, different. different oh, casks. sorry. I'm not wasn't sure, but that was a blend. Uh, a single malt. My fault. But I think just we're talking about non-age, and actually, I had some of that with my son-in-law, Joel Harrison, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was a stunning product. Yeah, very really good. Cracking dram in the old style. But no, by but you know, we've talked about some areas that are hot. I think whiskies from around the world. I know people have talked it. Um, undoubtedly Japanese will come, yeah. you know, be my real privilege to know the guys from Beam Centauri for a number of years. Yeah. Um, I'm a massive fan of Yamazaki, always have been. Yeah. I think there's something absolutely incredible that's coming through, um, again, with the rest of that industry. I think there'll be other products, more craft products. Still love Hibiki as a highball goes. Yeah, it's yeah, probably very good. Me, the ultimate highball ingredient. So I think Japanese will be good. Um, I think there's certainly some intrigue around the world you know, from other uh, countries, whether it's Cavalan, whether it's Stoning, uh, there's some quite interesting and diverse whiskies. Um, so I think uh, the other thing about it, I think it's probably American. There's some fascinating stuff coming through in American. Yeah, I've, I've still, I love, I lo always loved American whiskies. As you know, I've kind of come through the bartending route and, and back in the early 2000s, we used to have a lot of bourbons on the bar. A lot of those are actually really hard to get. Blanton's, Pappy Van Winkle's, Eagle Rares, George T. Staggs. Like we had that stuff on tap. We could have had as much of that I, as we I, wanted. I've had a bottle of, I've had a couple of bottles of Makers, Makers Mark and my speed rail. You know, and because 46 uh, is, is, 46 is mega is, 35 I mean, that's, quid. That, that's one of my kind of old fashioned whiskey. So, yeah. mixing old fashioned will do that. And it's really, I think, a, a really terrific whiskey and not super expensive. And I think it's easy at times. We're lucky enough to drink some pretty um, old stuff. But, you know, if you look at it, you know, there's some cracking stuff out there. You're going Fittic 18, great liquid. Bowmore 15 is smashing, yes. you know, out there. Well, Blair 15 is an absolute stonker. Uh, the new Glen Turrets I've just tasted, and I think this year's experience. Uh, a nice uh, really, Glen Turret 15 year old in your glass this weekend, Ken, is it? Ah, well, you know, I'm I'm just looking at the new uh, Glen Turret 12, which I think is absolutely stonking. And Bobby D, again, your Bob Delgarner is just one to watch. You know, he was voted best uh, whiskey maker in the world a couple of years ago. Ph phenomenal technician and just really good guy. So it's good stuff. You know, some of the old bar, you know, some of the old standbys like you know Balvenny double cask, double wood rather. Um, I kind of got into Lafroy ten. You know, yeah. just poor product. Yeah. You know, down and dirty. You know, just fantastic quality and absolute quintessence of a whiskey. Yeah. So well crafted and so different. I had the pleasure, uh, uh, you know, a couple of months ago about sitting down with Barry McAffer. 
you know, the new gaffer at uh, Lafroy Distillery and enjoying a couple of great drams out of the wood by the bay. How's he, how's he settling in? How's he, how's he settling in there? He's great. He's a great lad. I I think a a fantastic guy. I think with David Turner at Beaumont and with Barry there, they've got some really great people and whiskey people through and through. So I kind of went on vacation to Ireland, did six distilleries in May and it was fantastic to go everywhere from Bunahaven to Brooklady and everything in between yeah. and see Dr Bill Lumsden dress as a punk was a real hoot um <laughs> to try the wee beastie with them and their latest kind of punk expression so it's always interesting I always find surprising interesting stuff and I think now it's all about how do you share the story you know it is whether it's an NFT with an interesting story yeah. collect whether it's a really interesting film like we did with Art 52 and Bowmore, uh, whether it's stuff like, you know, I saw the new McAllen Bentley thing, which is quite like Art 52. We kind of got out there a little bit first. But, you know, there's some interesting, you know, collateral. There's some interesting stories to be told. And I think the great thing about marketing whiskey is getting a dram in somebody's hand, getting an opinion, yep. making sure that there's not only great high-end collectible stuff, but there's great entry-point whiskeys. Yeah. You can just relax. I've kind of like got a bottle of Tam the Bullen. I think it's a Cabernet cask open. Yeah, yeah, the Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, yeah. Really nice juice. Yeah, I've cracking. got a Glen Murray that I just bought the other day and whatever there, yeah. um, which I'm really looking forward to. Hide, um, them from the, hide them from the good lady, Ken. I know she's partial to a drama too. Make sure they're on. Get your hands off that bowl. Get your fingers (laughs) off it. Um, Well, Friday night will be our kind of night to sit in my bar here, five o'clock, shoot the crow and just have a dram. So it's always interesting. But marketing is at the heart of everything we do because we're all marketers. We can all share the the word of mouth about what do we think, what do we love. Um, It's a great debating point about something maybe high price, something low. Have you seen a great campaign or a great yeah. film? Have you seen someone that's made you laugh? Mm. Have you seen somebody that's gone, wow, I really like that bottle? Um, it's it's always, always interesting. Our old friend David Robertson, when he was on Dalmore, a brand you know well, I think did a fantastic bit of packaging work. Yeah. You know, stag there. You know, and don't forget the guys that make it. You know, amazing people like Bob, you know, Ron Welsh from Beam, you know, Brian Kinsman from Grants, David yeah. Stewart you know, uh, Jim Beveridge, you know, amazing people. You know, Richard Patterson, who can talk about this without mentioning Richard? <laughs> totally. Wonderful characters. I mean, to stand and listen to Richard with a drama in your hand is just pure gold in yeah, terms yeah, of knowledge, yeah. Yeah. storytelling. That's very you know, good fun. One of the favourite stories that he told me, um, it was with, remember, they had the Trinity bottle. Yeah, yeah. He was down in South Africa, and it was a very statuesque lady there. And Richard would always like to be the showman. He gave her a, a, a drama this. And at the crucial moment she was swallowing, he lit a firecracker. And she went, oh! <laughs> and he said, oh, my goodness. Well, that really always intensifies the effect. So the next day, Richard was hanging around. And the same lady comes back. And she goes, I've got it. So what do you mean you've got it? And she handed him a small bottle. Now, poor Richard had to explain to her, that was kind of a hard to return it, but once it's been through your kidneys, it doesn't <laughs> necessarily have the same bouquet. <laughs> um, but it's great stories from people like Richard. It's great people, great memories that keep us going. Yeah, absolutely. Ken, much appreciated, mate. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, we look forward to a dram with you very, very soon, sir. I will look forward to that. I think we'll be having a dram. Might not necessarily be scotch, but we'll be having a drama summit together later this month. Lovely, sir. Look forward to that. Cheers. All the best. You enjoy your weekend. 
Cheers, buddy. 